Man, I, uh, I love that song. Just remember singing that song as a kid. Thank you, Sherwin, for, uh, for making that one. Uh, that's uh, just an amazing, amazing thing. And, uh, you, know, I, uh, you know, I hope you prayed for boldness uh, this morning and that you prayed that I would be bold uh, this morning. I'm definitely uh, feeling it right now because, uh, you know, I know uh, I'm sure many of you guys, I'm just feeling it for Tom and Kelly, to be honest. Um, those are my heroes. And uh, it's just hard, you know, thinking about Kelly and just uh, how much of a mom she's been to me and I know to so many of us. And so I feel like before I even go, I just need to pray one more time for them and their trip. I know that there's so many of us that go through pain and hard times and it just means a lot when there's people in our lives that are there for us. And so I don't mean to just start off kind of on a down note, but I'm just, uh, I know that we all, I'm sure felt a lot when, when we heard that about Kelly's mom. And so can we pray one more time, guys? Amen. Father, it is, uh, it is great to, uh, to be with you, Father. And it's, uh, man, this world just makes no sense without you here and uh, without your kingdom. And Father, um, we just ask you to be with Kelly. Um, I just can't imagine, God, uh, what it would be like to lose my mom. God, I know that many people have, uh, have had experienced that in this room, and I'm just inspired by the faithfulness of the people in this room that have suffered loss. And I just pray you be with Kelly and Tom and give them comfort, uh, that you be with the pains as well, God, and just so many others. Father, I just uh, thank you uh, that, God, uh, you are a God of comfort. And I uh, pray that we can uh, be receptive and attuned to the needs around us, God, to just see that there is, this world is hurting for so many reasons, God. And and I pray that you be with me today, that, uh, Father, you just uh, speak through me, speak through uh, the book of Mark, which is just uh, such an incredible book, and I uh, pray that uh, it can mean a lot to, to all of us today. We love you, God, and pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, you know, it does uh, make you grateful for what you have, uh, just uh, when you hear about loss, and I'm just so grateful for this church, and, you know, Courtney and I have been here now for... Uh, Almost four years, and it's uh, crazy because this, this, this place totally feels like home to Courtney and I, and we just love so many of, the, of you in this room and just know you personally, and just grateful for the ways that you guys have constantly uh, taken care of us. You know, we're going to look at the book of Mark, and um, you know, in Mark, uh, Mark 4, how it talks about uh, the secret of the kingdom, and uh, today's uh, lesson is uh, the greatest secret ever told. You know, um, Tom wanted me to mention even uh, how we just looked at the book of Matthew, and actually I think it's 55 times the kingdom is referenced in the book of Matthew, or something like that. And it's a major theme, and it's also a theme in the book of Mark, and I want to kind of talk about that today as we look um, and uh, look at uh, the secrets. But uh, as we go, uh, our main text for the day that we're going to stick, uh, stick in is Mark chapter 10, if you guys could turn there. And I want to read, uh, read this passage. Mark chapter 10, in verse 35, it says, Then Jesus came, then, then James and John, the son of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. They replied, let one of us sit on your right and the other on your left in your glory. You don't know what you're asking. Jesus said, 
Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. Try and say that three times fast. (laughs) But to sit at the right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the 10 heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I mean, couldn't you just read read that last part every day for the rest of your life? Just such an incredible passage about Jesus and his heart. And you know, uh, our theme this past, uh, these past couple weeks and months have been about living generously and compassionately. And what an incredible example that we see here in Jesus and the reason why he came to this earth. And uh, it's an incredible, incredible thing, but uh, what's crazy is this passage, it kind of shows some of the dysfunction with the apostles, right? And uh, what's crazy is the third, you know, right before this, Jesus predicts that he's going to die for the third time in the book of Mark. And... The next thing that they talk about is wondering who's going to be the greatest and who's going to stand on the right or sit at the right and sit at the left. And as he's predicting his death, they're arguing over who's going to be first and who's going to be the greatest. There's just something, there was this secret that they just did not understand. I want us to turn to Mark chapter 9. Actually, you don't even need to turn that. It'll be the next slide, hopefully. One more. Okay, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Um, you know, the, another time that he predicts his death is here in Mark 9. It says, they left that place and passed through Galilee. Jesus did not want anyone to know where they were because he was teaching his disciples. He said to them, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him, and after three days he will rise. But they did not understand what he meant and were afraid to ask him about it. They came to Capernaum when he was in the house. He asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, anyone who wants to be the first must be the very last and the servant of all. You know, as I read the book of Mark, it was very interesting to see how, you know, even for us as we read it, we know the ending, right? We know what's going to happen, but they did not understand as he said these things. And I was trying to understand what was it about their frame of thinking that made it so just impossible for them to understand that, I mean, Jesus literally says it right there. He's going to die And he's going to raise, and they still don't get it. I mean, was it that they were just just dull? What was it about this that they did not understand? The first thing that I see is their desire for power. 
and their competition with one another. You know, uh, I used to be, um, I used to be a pretty good dodgeball player. Uh, if you could go to these uh, photos. These are some photos of me in uh, 2009, okay? And uh, that's, that's what I looked like when I was 18 years old. So uh, for you teenagers, there's still hope for you um, because uh, that's what I was. But, uh, you know, even uh, down here in Atlanta, I kind of have a reputation for being pretty good at dodgeball. You know, some, some of the guys like Jordan Massey might not want to admit that or uh, different things like that. Some of the other brothers, uh, they don't want to admit that. But they even gave me a move, okay? They, they, they called it the married move. Because when I first moved here, I was one of the only guys married in the campus ministry. And it's this move where you kind of had two balls in your hand. John, Jonathan could probably reenact it for us because he knows it. He's been a victim of it many times, you know. <laughs> um, but uh, it was this, you know, it's kind of like the two balls in my hand. And I'm, I throw one and then I spin with my other hand and throw it like that. They have no idea where it's going. I don't really know where it's going. But, you know, it catches people by surprise. And, uh, you know, I love dodgeball, but there was this one time in high school where we had this underground uh, dodgeball league. And, uh, and it was, I mean, it was serious, okay? You guys are laughing. Like, this is no joke, okay? This, is, this was a serious thing. And, uh, and uh, we were picking teams. And, you know, not to boast or anything, but I was usually like the first or second pick. And I liked, I liked that, you know, I really enjoyed that. And, uh, and so I could, I could, I brought my brother to a game once and we, uh, you know, this was a, like, girls weren't even allowed to come to this, like be there because the last time a girl came to watch, she caught a stray ball, t- you know, to the face. And so someone actually broke their arm in this league. I mean, it was an intense league. Uh, and, uh, and, uh. Anyways, it was super intense, but me and my brother were there, and they were picking teams, and I saw them talking right beforehand. I was like, something's up, and they started picking, and I wasn't one of the first people picked. And I'm str- you know, I'm struggling. I was like, all right, I know what they're doing. Okay, okay, whatever, you know, and so a couple, another, couple rounds go by, and I still don't get picked, and I'm like, this is just, this is ridiculous, you know, I what in the world? And, uh, and then there's like only two or three of us left. And, you know, at this point, they're all laughing. Every pick, you know, they know that I'm getting flustered. They're, they're messing with me. And, uh, and they go, all right, all right, McGurk, get over here. And so I'm like, oh, finally. And I walk down, no, 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 the other McGurk. And uh, they picked my brother. And I remember I just, in my maturity at that age in my life, I just stormed off the field and didn't play the rest of the night because I, uh, I was so, so upset. So I can kind of get what these guys were going with because I, you know, I have that competition, that competitiveness in me, but it's crazy to, if you could go back to that passage, it's crazy that as Jesus is predicting his death, his disciples are arguing about who's the greatest. As he's on his way to Jerusalem, they're so focused on themselves that they they miss this mystery, this secret. And I think that can happen so often with us. You know, what's crazy is in this passage, he asks them, what were you guys talking about? And it's pretty shocking. Do they tell him? They don't. They don't tell Jesus what they're arguing about. Not that Jesus didn't know, you know, uh, try keeping a secret from him. But I think so often, you know, I I think they were probably just, you know, and it says they were embarrassed. They were ashamed. 
I think one of the things that makes us miss Jesus so often is our, the way we size ourselves up to each other in the room. Where we're at and how we're doing. The idea of getting exposed is the most terrifying thing for so many of us. And these people, they were, they were afraid to be open with Jesus and they're comparing themselves to each other destroyed they're a, a teaching moment that Jesus could have given them. You know, I remember when I was a teen and, uh, you know, I remember most of my teenage years, like, lying to my parents about what, where I was really at spiritually. And, uh, you know, my parents tried to be in there, but there were so many things that I was afraid to talk to them about. Or there were my temptations that you know, all guys deal with and, and I was, that I was struggling with and, and living in this sin and I wouldn't talk to them about it. And I just wish I could go back to myself back then and just be real and expose myself because I think I would have seen God a lot more clearly than these people in this story were able to. But, um, you know, even just things like I was, I was picked on a ton in, in school and uh, I, I never told my parents once, my entire from second to 12th grade, once that that happened, pretty much every single day. But there's just this fear of people actually knowing who I was and knowing the worst parts about us. And so often this can happen the most in the church where we can want to put our best foot forward, where we want to look like we have it all together. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I got a question for you this morning, though. What secrets are in your heart? that you have not talked to anyone about. I know for me personally, as much as I hate it now, I know it's my lifeline. And I'm terrified of what I would be, what I would look like if I didn't get open about the thoughts and actions in my life on a weekly basis. I'm just terrified of who I would turn into. Because I know of what I was like when I was doing that, when I was hiding those things. And so often this fear of being open and, and exposing is greater than the fear of not being close to God and being connected to him. And we miss out on Jesus and that's what these people were doing. They were missing out. They, they as Jesus is confessing, because they're so focused on themselves and not wanting to look bad, they don't even realize that the, the king that they're serving and the kingdom that he's about to enter. How about you? I want to ask again, are there any secrets in your heart? Is there anything that you've not talked about to people that can really help you? You know, the things that keep us apart from one another is so often it's just pride. You can you imagine the 12 disciples, like they have no reason to not be the most spiritual people on the planet. They were with Jesus for three years. But even them, they're not close to each other they're arguing and they're bickering. Why? Because of pride. Because of competition. And sometimes we can say, oh, I'm not com you know, competitive. or you know, Maybe it's not competition for you. Maybe it's just a self-focus. It's still the same thing. It's me. It's all about me. Maybe you're not afraid of, maybe you're not trying to compete to be the best, but you just don't want to be the worst in the room. And we try and fit into the status quo. But like I said earlier, it's not like we're hiding anything from Jesus here. That he knows. And they missed out. 
you know, being, uh, being open is not a glorious thing necessarily, but it leads me to the next question I want to ask, which is, what is glorious? If you go, if you're in Mark 10 still, it's interesting, but in this passage, I'm still trying to figure out why didn't they get it? Because this, this secret, which is that Jesus is the Messiah, that he's going to die on the cross and raise again, even though he said it multiple times, they still didn't get it. If you read the book of Mark four or five times, demons literally start crying out, this is the son of God. Jesus tells them to be quiet. He does miracles and he tells them to be quiet. There's this great secret that the rest of the world doesn't know, but that he does tell his disciples and tells them plainly, and they still don't get it. I think it has something to do with what is glorious. You know, in this passage, they ask this question, and it's again after another prediction of his death. Can we sit at your left and at your right? You know, I was going to call uh, this, this lesson, the left or the right, you decide. Um, you, know, you know, because of the, uh, the political, you know, the elections coming on Tuesday. The left or the right, you decide. You know, that's the question, that's the the, the request that they proposed to Jesus, I want to be on your left or your right, but decide which one. And I think the reason why these people didn't get what Jesus was saying, even though he told them so plainly, they could not fathom the idea that their king would die. They had a different view of what glory really looked like. You know, people are putting so much hope or so much despair into this election. We put so much hope into these earthly kingdoms. You know, I think at the end, I don't think they were talking about heaven at all in this passage. You know, what was glory for them? I think glory meant for them, they thought glory was Jesus establishing a political kingdom on this earth. That he would come in and that he would destroy all opposition and that he would reign and it would be the first great kingdom where God's people could finally reign. They were maybe chasing something else besides Jesus, to be honest. Maybe they were chasing fame or class and honor. Maybe that's what they wanted. They wanted positions of power in his new administration that he would, he would um, create. They wanted glory on this earth. But Jesus reminds them something that rulers do not have the answers. He talks about, you, you know that these Gentiles, they lord it over you, their power and their authority, but not so with you. They, started, they viewed leadership in a way that was dominating and oppressive where the, the leaders benefits but Jesus institutes a whole new type of leadership leadership in the church the church itself should not look like the world instead of being built on status and money and popularity the only prerequisite of being a leader in God's church is humility and it's being it's laying down your life for all Man, we can look to the world as an example way too often. And it's a terrible example of what leadership should look like. 
Trying to join church in politics is a bad idea because they work in an opposite fashion. They don't operate the same way. You know, I think that's why Jesus says, you just don't, you don't know what you're asking. You don't know what you're asking for. You want this thing of glory, but the way you view glory is completely opposite of the way I view glory. Some of us in this room, we look around and we look at the changes and the things that people give up for God and we go, they, this is crazy. Or I don't understand, or that's so intense, or what are you doing? This is too, you're making this a big deal. There's things that maybe you don't want to give up. But wake up. Stop looking for glory on this earth. Because if you do, you're going to miss out on who Jesus is. These people, they were so fixated on this glory that would come to them once they entered Jerusalem, and they missed out three times on who Jesus told them he was and what he was going to do. You're not an earthly being having a spiritual experience. You're a spiritual being having an earthly experience. Which kingdom do you think about most? What do you dream for? You know, why is this so important to think about this heavenly kingdom versus an earthly kingdom? Because perspective determines our priority. That if our perspective is that we want glory on this earth, that I want fame, I want class, I want popularity, I want to be respected, I want to receive honor, I want this, I want that, I want comfortability, if that is what we view, then our priorities Will be, will be based off of that. And we can become so focused on building our own kingdom that we forget about our king. And we make ourselves the king. Is your life filled with dreams for yourself or dreams for God? You know, we're talking about living compassionately and generous, but those things are dependent on how you perceive glory. When you're living for this world, it is, it's impossible to be generous and compassionate because this world teaches you me, 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 and me some more. And if you're living for this kingdom, then, then compassionate and generous, there'll be little things that you do, but they won't be who you are. Because the rules of the kingdom are that we should be slaves of all. What an offensive thing to say. What a hard thing to grasp. You know, that was what Jesus' priority was all about. You know, it's interesting, but what was Jesus' sole purpose? In this passage, he says, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Greatness is not defined by how much you have, but on how much you give. You know, some of us in this room, we have so much to offer, but we hold back. Maybe we've given before, but we hold back. That's what I love about Jesus is that he never held back. You know, his love had no limits, and to be honest, I can have limits. You know, where do do you think it shows up the most in my life? You know, my marriage, right? You know, for me, it's, My love can have limits even in my marriage. Instead of being a servant, you know, I I can want to serve to this point. 
You know, I'm tired, I'm done. How, you know, I've been with people all day and I don't, I don't wanna give or, or maybe I feel like I'm already, I've already done this, 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 this and that. I'm good for the day. I know that, uh, that you guys are looking down on me immensely right now for saying all these things and that none of you guys can relate. Um, I know that uh, you guys love your wives so much that you never think about these things. Um, but, uh, you know, I can say here no further. Maybe it's not serving. You know, sometimes for me, I'm just done apologizing. You know, it's, it's your turn to apologize. And I can have a limit in the way I give and a limit in the way I serve. I don't want to forgive one more time. I want you to go to the extra mile. I don't want to go to the extra mile. I don't want to be humble this time. I can be compassionate and generous to the extent that you're compassionate and generous with me. And that's, when we do that, we're just being like the world, which that's how the world operates, is if you give, then I'll give something back. You do something for me, I'll do something for you. And yet that's so the opposite of how Jesus thought. You know, I do this with my spouse. I'm sorry, hon, I love you. Um, I think we can do this with our friends, you know, with our family, and we can have a limit to the way we serve. I think we can do this with God. If we don't feel given to by God, if we feel like he gypped us in a certain way, then I'm not gonna give. I'm waiting for you to give and then I'll give more. I think we can do this with the church. That I've been hurt, so I'm not gonna give. Or I've given this much, I don't feel appreciated, so I'm not going to. But that's conditional. And that's not what glory is, is conditional love. Glory comes when we're slaves of all. When we decide, when we make a decision to have the priority that Jesus had, which was to serve. You know, it wasn't what he did, but it was who he was. I think something that's also challenging in this passage, if you could just go to this, uh, that last passage. Oh, we're there, okay, good. Um, is the all part. You know, slaves of all. I can, you know, I'll, I'll serve some people that I love, right? I'll give to this person or that because I like them. I'll even give generously or I love them, but man, to be a, a servant of all. And I think about, and I'm just so inspired every summer by the students that go to, go to these, inter, these internships to go share their faith. It's like, why do, we, why do we even do that? There's plenty of needs here. The reality is that God is needed not just here, that we need to be slaves everywhere. To give to everywhere that, and I'm so happy and I hope that every college student that graduate, when they leave college, they go, I'm not just thinking about my little sphere of influence, but I want to have an influence everywhere. I want to make an impact, a global impact, to be a slave of all, not just those that I'm comfortable with. And this passage just uh, really does challenge me, and I think the other thing that challenges me is, uh, is that he gave his life as a ransom. You know, a ransom is a price paid for someone who cannot free themselves. Jesus needed to pay this price or else we wouldn't stand a chance. 
And to think that he did this when his closest friends were completely aloof. That he even did this when we weren't at our best. When we weren't in the right frame of thinking. When we weren't really thinking about his kingdom. But the reality is this ransom, what does this ransom teach us about salvation? A price is, is paid in order to be set free. And Jesus paid that price. But he doesn't set this, say this just to do it, but to set the example in this passage. And the reality is for anyone of us in this room to become a Christian, a price was paid by someone, as not just Jesus, but by someone else. That people sacrifice, correct? To get in your life and to help you and to invest in you. What price are you willing to pay to benefit others? Because it does cost something. It costs your time and your energy, your thought and your prayer, finances and comfort. There's a price in helping people. And I want to ask this question, and I mean it just with total respect, can you be like Jesus without trying to help people be like Jesus? Can you live a life following Jesus without doing what he came to do, which was to give his life as a ransom for many? Jesus is trying to set a stage of what real discipleship would look like which was, hey guys, we're not in it for us. We're in it for the rest of the world. If Jesus' sole purpose was to serve and die for this world to be saved, shouldn't that be our sole purpose in this world? To bring as many with us as possible? That's the only logical solution when you finally understand that glory, there is no glory on this earth. That there is nothing that we can take with us there's nothing that we can carry on with us besides the people that we love. It's the only thing that we can take with us. The kingdom that is on this earth will perish. No matter who's elected, it will perish. And Jesus is, is going to be the king of that kingdom. And so we need to keep the right perspective. When's the last time you sat down with a friend and try to, help, try to help them get closer to God. You need it. I need it. I know for me, like, hey, if you even look at the, the newsletter, my buddy Spencer got baptized this week. It was awesome. That's my boy. Shout out. Um, but I needed studying the Bible with him because of what he did for me and the perspective that it gave me. I think when we don't get into people's lives, we can forget about God's kingdom. And we can start to kind of settle and make our nest here on this earth. We can start to kind of think that this kingdom actually is nice. Let's try and have both. And yet when you actually get in people's lives and you see the depravity and you see the hurts and you see the pain, you see these people that are living for this world and the emptiness that it provides, you're reminded, I, I need to get in people's life, not just for them, but for me, because that perspective changes me. Right. It's so precious. Right. I don't want to, um, you know, I'm, I'm inspired by, by so many of you in this, in this room. Just the way that you guys give and serve, and I hope that at your age, 
many of you guys that have been Christians for much longer than I have, that I can still be here and serving and giving my heart. Can I talk to the empty nesters for a second? I'm talking to my parents right now, okay? So this, these are my parents. My parents are empty nesters. Um, do you realize how much you have to offer? How much you have to give? I'm so inspired by the brands who just went off to Ghana to just go encourage the church there. We should be seeing that all the time. If we're really slaves of all, what's stopping so many of us to go out for a month maybe or go out for a couple weeks and go and just give and just serve in these places? Churches that we planted maybe many years ago that maybe if no one goes there and gives that it'll just dwindle. There's so many other places that need to hear God's word. And we all have different opportunities. What are you doing with the opportunities that you have? Because we have so much to give. You know, I think the cross, when Jesus died on the cross, I think it was to humble his disciples too. Because it totally humbled their view of life. It totally humbled what they thought being a follower of Jesus was going to be. This glamour, instead of this cup of glory, it was, it was a, a baptism of suffering that they had to drink. And yet it was worth it for them. And It's really quiet in this room, so I'm sorry, guys. Um, but I just, I just want to close with just... Uh, this last thought, you know, I know for me, uh, just a, a story that helps illustrate how I feel about this is, uh, I just remember when I was younger, and this is for you, you dads as well, um, I remember when I was younger, my dad reminded me Friday night, hey son, we're, tomorrow morning we're gonna, wake, we're gonna wake up and we're gonna rake the leaves. And I really need your help, because there's a lot going on, and uh, the, the, I think it rained that day before, so I'm gonna really need your help. I'm going to go, Dad, I promise, I got you. I'm going to, you know, like I'm there. And I remember waking up the next morning, doing my thing, completely forgetting. And a couple hours later, seeing my dad outside just raking by himself for the last couple hours. And I just remember being so devastated. He came to me, and I think we had a good talk about it. But Jesus did go and pave the way for us, guys. And uh, I, don't want to be, I don't want to live a life where I'm standing inside my house looking outside the window at everything that God has done for me. Everything else that God has done for this world, the way that he serves and the way that Jesus gives, I don't want to live a life like that. You know, generosity and compassion, they meet at the cross and Jesus, he still died, even if you don't get it right now, in the hopes that you will and do the same for others. You know, this kingdom that was so, they, that they did not understand until it all, was, it all happened and unfold, we now get to see in plain view. And let's not let the secrets of this kingdom be secrets for us. Let's... Get the perspective that we need to really see that 
there's something so much bigger than this world to really see what glory really is. Amen, guys, let's pray. Father, I'm just grateful for you and who you are. I, uh, God, I want, to, uh, I want to follow your example. I know uh, there's so many people in this room, God, that I just, uh, just admire and respect. Father, help us to um, not grow weary in doing good. God, to set our uh, minds and our hearts on things above and, and to uh, not let this greatest secret that was ever told be a secret to us, God. Uh, to not get confused by the way this world operates, to not get tricked by its rules, to not lead like it does, to, to um, lust for power like it does, but really desire to serve and love others. Uh, in this room, God, I, and uh, Father, I pray that we can be just the hope to many nations. We love you, God. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you guys.